0: Butts and Guts, a Cleveland Clinic podcast exploring your digestive and surgical health from end to end. Welcome again, everybody, to Butts and Guts. I'm your host, Scott Steele, the chairman of colorectal surgery here at the Cleveland Clinic in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. And always great to have a repeat guest here on Butts and Guts. Very happy to welcome Dr. Federico Acejo, who's our surgical director of Cleveland Clinic's liver cancer program. Federico, welcome to Butts and Guts.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Scott. Thank you.
0: So today we're going to talk a little bit about something that's, in my mind, a little bit more cutting edge. And that's this concept of having transplantation in the realm of kind of treating liver metastases for colorectal cancer and also just about liver transplant in general. So give us a little bit of a high level about what liver metastases are and kind of how they're formed for colorectal cancer.
1: Yes, so there are uh, different uh, types of uh, tumors that when affect the liver we can talk about. The primary tumors are the ones that originate in the liver such as a paracellular carcinoma and cholangiocarcinoma and then we have the secondary um, uh, liver tumors which are the metastatic disease. And the most common one is the ones that originate from colorectal cancer. The uh, organ that is mostly affected from metastases uh, is, is the liver. And um, we know that um, the best therapy for for this is associated with surgery. And we know that the uh, five-year survival of these patients when they're affected by uh, liver metastasis, when we can apply surgery, is in the order of 30 to 60%. And when we compare that to the alternative uh, treatment, which is systemic therapy, Despite the emergence of uh, more evolved uh, systemic therapies, the five-year survival is is on the order of of 10-20%. So it it is very important to emphasize that uh, surgery has a, a crucial role to treat these patients. And within that, we have the liver resection and we have transplantation as part of the uh, surgical options.
0: So we're gonna get to each of those in a little bit, but let's take a step back. And I want you to cover a few things for our listeners that may not have as much of a medical background. What's the liver's function why is it that colorectal cancer goes you know to the liver and then is this a big problem is this common for you know these diseases these cancers to go to the liver
1: Yeah. so the the liver has uh, a number of vital fundamental functions help us uh, you know clear toxins helps us uh, produce proteins enzymes that are vital uh, contribute to the coagulation a number of things uh, that makes it an organ that is vital. we cannot live without without the liver In terms of uh, metastasis originated from colorectal cancer uh, going to the liver, about half of the patients with colorectal cancer at some point in time will develop metastasis that go to the liver. Some of them will be diagnosed at the same time of the diagnosis of the primary colorectal cancer, and some of them will be diagnosed posteriorly afterwards. Why is that? Because of the connection between the uh, veins and, and lymphatic tissues that connect the bowel with the liver That these cells go through; they go through the liver, and they um, they stay there and develop, and they form metastases.
0: So, when you talk about something you mentioned earlier, is that you know we talk about that there's now metastatic disease, that the primary tumor has escaped and gone elsewhere, and in many cases, there's a need for chemotherapy. So, when does surgery come into play? And maybe ask a different way is then when wouldn't you do surgery on somebody? that has liver metastases?
1: So the role of of chemotherapy um, when a patient is first diagnosed is important to us because uh, we will have the opportunity to evaluate the tumor biology, that is how the tumor responds to the chemotherapy. We will give us time to um, evaluate whether the patient has uh, evolving metastases in other parts, not just uh, the liver. because of that, It is very important to complement surgery with chemotherapy before or after or both. Uh, One caveat with chemotherapy, when we have a patient who is a candidate for liver resection, is that we know that chemotherapy can be toxic to the liver over time, so we don't want to overdo too much chemotherapy uh, and create toxicity that then uh, won't allow us to perform surgery on the liver, number one. And the other issue is that Metastasis, especially if they're small to begin with, they can disappear on, on chemotherapy. So then you won't be able to find them uh, if you would like to do surgery, which is the mainstay therapy. So we don't want to do chemotherapy to the point where the metastasis disappeared or to the point where we induce toxicity to the liver. We want to do the right amount of chemotherapy, which is the amount that allows us to perform the resection and be able to remove all, or if not, uh, everything that we can see that is visible the microscopic disease uh, in the liver
0: does everybody that has liver metastases a candidate for surgical resection? Uh,
1: not not everybody first of all, if we we see uh, many patients, especially young patients, for some reason cancers tend to be more aggressive, I would say, compared to older patients who have uh, both lobes of the liver uh, affected uh, in a very extensive way. And because we need to leave at least 30% of the entire liver volume in the patient so the patient can survive, uh, if we cannot do that, then that patient would not be at least upfront a uh, candidate for surgery. I'm saying upfront because there are techniques, surgical and interventional radiology techniques that we can apply so that future liver remnant that, that volume that we would leave without disease can reach that level of thirty percent that we're looking for.
0: The so called kind of stage procedures that you do can in very basic terms can you outline a little bit of what that involves?
1: Right. So what do we do to make that future liver remnant uh, big enough to reach that 30%. We can do something called a portal vein embolization. So the portal vein is the main vein that drains the blood that comes from the intestines into the liver, and the liver has two lobes. And when it gets to the liver, it divides into one for each lobe. So let's say we have a patient with most of the disease located in the right lobe, but the left lobe is only 15 or 20 percent of the entire liver volume so we need that left lobe to grow so the interventional radiologists what they would do is they would occlude the polar vein going to the right side
0: the diseased side
1: the disease side right and uh typically a few weeks uh two to six weeks after that the left lobe would grow mm. to the 30 percent and at that point, then, we're able to go in surgically and remove the right side. Uh, there are more uh, advanced uh, techniques um, if we need to increase more in a more aggressive way the lobe that we're going to leave in the patient. And that is with combination of embolization, not only of the one side portal vein, which is the inflow, that is the blood going into the liver, but also the blood getting out of that lobe, going back to the heart. and and, and that That is the hepatic vein. Uh, There is um, recent data that shows that uh, blocking both vessels at the same time or sequentially uh, can induce a more aggressive growth of the side that we're going to leave in the patient.
0: The body senses that it needs a little bit more liver and it's able to grow it back. So let's go now to something that I think is really kind of unique, and that's this kind of historic new transplant protocol that your liver team here at the Cleveland Clinic has developed. Can you walk us a little bit through that?
1: Yes. So, liver transplantation for uh, liver malignancy uh, can be done uh, for different uh, scenarios. That includes primary liver tumors, a carcinoma, cholangiocarcinoma, and metastatic liver tumors.
0: And just for people who don't know exactly what a transplant is, can you just oh, kind of, of give even more generalizations?
1: Of course. So, when we talk about liver transplant, uh, we mean that we remove the entire disease uh, organ, uh, liver, of the patient, and that is replaced by an entire organ or a partial, a piece of organ, uh, from a live donor or a deceased donor. That is what transplantation is. Um, So there are different scenarios for transplantation for liver malignancy. For patients who present with primary liver cancer, called paracellular carcinoma or carcinomas, or metastatic cancers affecting the liver, which is uh, neuroendocrine tumors or colorectal cancer liver metastasis to the liver. When we go back in time, we see that in early 90s, there was uh, an early experience in transplantation for patients with metastasis from colorectal cancer. But the outcomes were not good. And uh, because of that, it was deemed a contraindication for transplantation. So what changed from then to now? Number one, when we look at the data from that time, we appreciate that a lot of, almost half of the bad outcomes were related to technical aspects of transplantation because transplantation, technically speaking, was in its infancy not then uh, because of oncological reasons so much. And the other, the other thing is that now we have better uh, systemic therapies and local regional therapies that help us uh, keep the metastasis limited to the liver and observe, therefore, over time how that disease behaves. Again, having a better idea of the tumor biology. So overall, we're able to uh, select patients better than we used to for transplantation today compared to uh, back in the early 90s and technically speaking we are we have learned and evolved uh, compared to, to those times so those are the reasons why uh, the concept of uh, transplantation for colorectal cancer liver metastasis has been revisited by a, a pilot study published from Oslo uh, University in 2011 and what they observed, this was a 21 patient pilot study, what they observed was that patients Patients who presented with metastatic disease that was not amenable to resection because of extensive involvement of the liver, they were offered transplantation. And they observed that most of the patients would develop reoccurrence of the cancer, and that within the first or second year after transplantation. Uh, But when they look at the overall survival, they observed that at five years, about 50 to 60% of the patients would be alive, and if you compare that to systemic chemotherapy, which is the standard uh, treatment for that stage of disease, again, the five-year survival is in the order to 10%, 15%. So that's how we, again, started looking at this option with more interest, and we adopted here at the Cleveland Clinic, and there are other centers that are interested in looking into this uh, throughout the U.S. as well. And we have developed our early experience, and so far is it's, it's going well. We have to... We have to, I think, learn more about the selection criteria, that's very important, and that one thing, looking into the future, uh, that we have a, a, a very important role is the discovery of biomarkers, uh, liquid biopsy, and, and similar interventions um, to select patients better.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And so, obviously, this has been, you know, the first time a liver transplant surgery for colorectal mucastasis has been performed uh, in the U.S., to my understanding. And congratulations to you and your team on that. And so let's talk a little bit more about that last thing that you talked about. So this new transplant, now that that we're starting to look into this, what really is the next phase of your team's research into this or the next step in the evolution of this process?
1: One thing that uh, we have recognized, although a, if you think about it, rudimentary element to evaluate Uh, how the patient would respond. But very important, very effective, is the test of time. So we see that the patients who receive many interventions to keep the metastasis limited to the liver, because that's the most important inclusion criteria. If the patients have metastasis somewhere else, not only the liver, unfortunately, they're not candidates for transplant. So all the interventional radiology interventions, uh, embolizations, radiation, and surgery, surgical resections, uh, that we can apply to that patient. So we delay the time to you know, for transplant. And so, therefore, we have more time to observe uh, how that tumor uh, behaves in response to all these treatments and, in addition, how this tumor responds to the chemotherapies that are being offered. That tells us an idea of how it's going to be the outcome after the transplant and what are the chances of reoccurrence of the uh, cancer after the transplant. So looking into the future, for us, it will be very important to achieve total disease control uh, before the patient gets to the point of transplant, with the interventional radiology um, tools that we have today, we want to see that there is no evidence of active uh, tumor, radiologically speaking, before we consider the patient to transplant, or not evidence of uh, microscopic disease if we are treating the patient with with uh, surgical resection. That is that is very important. Another very important element is. Uh, to observe that the the tumor responds to chemotherapy. Transplanting somebody who is progressing on systemic chemotherapy is perhaps not a good idea because the probably the patient will have an aggressive recurrence after transplant.
0: Is there any thoughts around the fact if a patient did get a real liver transplant would they continue to need chemotherapy after that liver transplant?
1: That is a very good question to answer I can't answer that because there is no there's no studies that show the benefit of that there is there are trials in Europe looking into that right now. We are not uh, prescribing empiric adjuvant chemotherapy after transplant so far. We're observing the patients. We're trying to keep the immunosuppression at the minimum. And we're using some immunosuppressants that can have some anti-cancer effects in the, in the immunosuppression pro- uh, protocol.
0: So walk me through, I'm a patient that has liver metastases, looking out there, wanting to explore different options. How do they get in touch with you? And what can they expect when they come to visit you in your office with either you or one of the members of the transplant team?
1: For these complex evaluations, uh, there are a lot of patients uh, coming to me for consultation out of state. And so I try to set up, uh, take advantage of our uh, digital uh, platform uh, through the virtual visits. So it's a very nice way to... uh, talk to the patient face-to-face through the computer. They have, by that time, already submitted to us their lab work and imaging studies. So we have the chance to evaluate all that. So that way, we can have an idea whether the patient is a potential candidate or not, You know, and they have the opportunity to address the questions that they may have. And essentially, I look at everything. And essentially, they have to be patients who uh, surgery cannot be performed because of the uh, extensive involvement of the liver. There has to be no evidence of extra Disease. There has to be response to chemotherapy, uh, as I have explained. There are some genetic mutations that we don't, we don't consider for transplantation, specifically the BRAF mutation, because it's associated with a very aggressive tumor biology behavior, so we don't consider those patients uh, for transplantation. And these are the main, and obviously it has to be a relatively young patient and have a good performance style. So the level of energy uh, and functionality has to, has to be good. And uh, we are offering up front for most of these patients, a uh, living donor liver transplant uh, for these patients is is uh, more difficult to obtain a disease uh, donor. And that's because there are many other standard of care indications for transplantation that they have to compete with these other patients that are on, right. on the list. So we're prioritizing living donation.
0: So just to be clear, you still, your primary uh, surgical treatment for these would be to resect the metastasis like you've been doing for a long time. So this is almost what somebody who has a little bit too much disease, but not too much disease that they don't even qualify for a transplant.
1: Right. I mean, they, they, as long as as long as uh, everything is limited to the liver, they would qualify for transplant. But if it's resectable, if we can remove surgically all the disease that we can see, that would be the first approach, and the transplant would be the very very last resource. So when there is so much disease that we cannot resect, or because the liver has been damaged from all the treatments that we have applied, including the chemotherapy, the resections, the local regional therapy. So the patients can develop cirrhosis, and they become really sick from liver failure and still have an active uh, metastatic disease, extensive or low volume. And those patients would be candidates for, for transplant.
0: So any other things our listeners should know about the transplant program or the liver team in general?
1: Um Very proud, very lucky to be part of a wonderful team that we have, uh, wonderful colleagues uh, from all the specialties, oncology, hepatology, surgery, interventional radiology. We have the luxury of being able to develop our multidisciplinary liver tumor clinic. So patients come one stop, they get to see everybody, so they save their time. The use of uh, of their time is more effective that way. So again, the first step would be through a virtual visit. And then if things look like a patient is a candidate, then we have a formal uh, visit through the liver tumor clinic. They get to see everybody. And then we have a formal presentation through the multidisciplinary tumor board. And then we have a connection with the transplant coordinators, and we initiate the formal process of evaluation that way
0: well that is certainly exciting stuff and for listeners of this podcast you know i like to end up with the final five and for our repeat guests here we're going to change them up the questions a little bit and so first of all do you play music in the operating room and if so what is it
1: i like music but i have a special interest for classic music uh something that i that i enjoy in the OR.
0: soothing music in the or so number two what's the best trip what place is the best trip that you've ever been to
1: This year, I actually took my family to Spain, Barcelona, Madrid. There's a a lot of uh, uh, common points with my culture. I'm originally from Argentina. I thought you were going to say Argentina. (laughs) I wasn't
0: going to let you go home on that one. Number three, if you could go anywhere in the world going forward, where would that be?
1: I haven't been in Paris, so I, that would be my next desire stop.
0: Number four, we know the food that you like. What's the food that you hate that you just won't eat?
1: That's a tough one. You know, I I like to eat anything. I'm a, I'm very open-minded with that. I don't think I have the particular food I wouldn't eat.
0: Now that's fantastic. And number five, if you could go back and give yourself advice on your first day of internship, what advice would you give yourself?
1: This is a, an advice that... I would like to extend to all our uh, general surgery residents. And uh, that has to do with the opportunity to to have an open mind to observe surgical cases. I know that there is a tendency towards that if they're not actually, you know, hands-on doing the operation themselves, they don't get engaged, they think that they're not going to learn. And I really think that... uh, Looking retrospectively, I should have been more mature. I, I, I used to think that way. I think you learn a lot, even if you're not doing with your own hands, but uh, scrub as much as you can and uh, second assist, observe. Uh, you will learn a lot that way.
0: Sage advice and wisdom there. So for more information about liver tumors, liver cancer, and liver surgery options here at the Cleveland Clinic, please visit clevelandclinic.org slash livercancer. That's clevelandclinic.org slash livercancer, L-I-V-E-R-C-A-N-C-E-R. And to make an appointment with a Cleveland Clinic specialist, please call 216-445-8389. That's 216-445-8389. Federico, thanks for joining us on Butts and Guts.
1: Thank you. It's called from Carmen Megan.
0: That wraps things up here at Cleveland Clinic. Until next time, thanks for listening to Butts and Guts.